Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olawumi Brigway. I'm a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, the premier personal development platform equipping and empowering women to create their best life from the inside out. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, my goal is to help you disengage from limiting and faulty belief systems so that you can think differently, believe differently, and live differently. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, this is Allow Me. Welcome to episode 176 of the podcast. Even though I teach normally, I tend to teach, break things down, but I feel like I have a prophetic word. This feels to me more like a prophetic word, like you need to hear this, or at least somebody needs to hear this. And as you hear me, I believe that the power of God will be deposited within you, inside you, and it will literally lift you and it will set you upon your feet so that you can begin to run. The Bible says that he makes our feet like the feet of the deer so that we can scale mountain heights. So I believe that is what I've come to do today, to speak and utter a prophetic word to anyone that will receive it. And it is such a powerful word because it is also speaking to me as well. So John chapter five is what we're going to be looking at. And it's a very popular story in the Bible. So John chapter five, I'm reading from New Living Translation. Let me just read through the scripture and then I'll just start talking and saying whatever it is I got laid upon my heart to speak today. From verse one, it says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays holy days. (laughs) Inside the city near the sheep gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When John saw him, and knew he had been, when Jesus, rather, when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him. So Jesus basically walked up and I don't think the thing about it is God is such a compassionate and a loving father that he doesn't do things accidentally. He goes to the places where there are problems. Jesus is a problem hunter. Jesus is not the kind of person that would just go and sit down somewhere and say, well, after you have solved your problem, come and find me. Of all the places that he could have gone to. I mean, the temple was a magnificent, glorious building. It was stunning. It was beautiful. He could have walked around the temple, seeing the sights, looking at how stunning it was and appreciating it. He could have gone throughout Jerusalem sightseeing. 
He could have even gone to pray. He could have said, listen, I want to sort myself out. Okay, you people, leave me. I want to sort myself out. But what was the first thing that Jesus did when he went to the city? He says he went to the place where crowds of people that were sick, that were lame, that were paralyzed, that life had dealt a blow. That was the first place Jesus went to. So this idea sometimes like, oh, it looks like I'm even disturbing God. The kind of prayer we should be praying is for people's souls to be saved in China. You know, who am I to be asking God to give me a new job? Who am I to be asking God to pay my children's school fees? You know, sometimes those voices of accusation can rise up. God is not like that. The first place Jesus went to was the place where people were literally paralyzed. Life had caged them. And he wanted to set them free. So never ever hesitate in running to God with your problems as many times as it takes for you to go to God until the problem is resolved. You have no alternative. Who else are you going to carry the matter to? I mean, if you could solve it on your own, you would have done it, wouldn't you? You'd have done it. If you know that you can't solve it on your own, then you need Jesus. You need God. So don't ever feel like, let's just leave this one and focus on something else. No, every issue in your life, it is on the heart of God. And God is saying, can't you see that I want you to experience my love, my supply, my abundance, my power in that particular area. So don't hold anything back. Don't ever Allow this idea to settle in your mind that a problem is either too small or too insignificant for you to take to God. Or it's been a long time. I don't think it would ever happen. Don't ever allow yourself to be there. Jesus went straight. Of all the things he could have done, of all the ways he could have spent his time, he went straight to the place where there was crowds of sick people, where there was plenty problems okay so let's keep going i'm reading from john chapter 5 and it says one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time so jesus asked him would you like to get well i can't sir and i love this nlt translation because other ones say that i have no man i have the first thing this man replies to jesus is i can't sir so the salvation the answer to your problem literally shows up in front of you and your answer is, I can't, sir. Now, it's easy for us to judge that man and to say, ah, can't you see Jesus standing there? I can't you say, I can't, sir. Why can't you immediately jump on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm here. Ah, I'll be waiting for you. You know, the woman with the issue of blood didn't even need Jesus to talk to her. She went and grabbed it. The centurion said, speak the word only. And we can tend to judge either ourselves or other people based on different levels of faith. When Jesus showed up to this man, he had been, life had, I mean, ugh, I don't even know how to say, life had, what's the word? Pushed him, squeezed him into a mold. Life had battered him so much that he had been squeezed into a mold. They had expressed lack for so long that, in fact, if the person should see one pound on the road, across the road, a car is coming. The person will fly in front of the car to go and get the one pound because like, hey, see one pound. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because life has sort of squeezed and squeezed into a mold that even if Jesus shows up in the flesh or an angel shows up or God writes 
uh, Jesus in the clouds and says, I'm here to deliver you. There's something that rises up inside that person that says, it's not possible. I know you have good intentions, but it's just not possible. And this was how this man responded. He was like, I want to be free from this thing. I want to progress. I want my life to make sense. I want to be able to set goals and achieve them. I want my children to be well, to do well. I, whatever it is that desire is, Jesus asked, would you like it? Do you want it to manifest in your life? But his mind has been so battered that his only response was a hopeless and helpless one. I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I think one of the most frustrating things that we express in our lives is the thing that you, you are struggling with. You see other people and it's almost as if they don't even lift a finger and they're entering into the thing. And you're like, God, I don't understand. You want to get married. They say, oh, okay, I, I'm doing everything. I, I made sure that, you know, I'm taking care of myself. I'm praying. I'm doing this. I'm whatever it is. And then you see other people that even before they say, I want to get married, the thing just happens. And you're like, God, I'm even fine at that. Let's, can we be real? Can I tell the truth? He said, God, I'm, I'm finer than this person, number one. Number two, me that I'm almost sleeping in church, me that I'm carrying your word, me that I'm doing all these things. This person, I can't even remember the last time they went to church. And see how tall, dark, handsome, rich, purpose-driven, <laughs> whatever it is, has come and carried them to the moon. And me that I'm asking, what's going on, right? And he's saying... I'm here. I desire this thing, but someone else always gets there ahead of me. Meaning they have things or resources that are helping them before I can get there. And as a result of that, they are accelerating. They're accelerating. And this was where this man was, right? This is where he was. And he was very honest about it. He didn't try to cloud it. He didn't try and use Christianity. I say, oh, praise the Lord. I'm believing when truly, truly, this was how he felt in his heart. So stop masking. You can mask and shade for other people. When people ask you, oh, how far will that thing? You say, oh, you know, you can mask and shade for them because after all, it's your business. It's nobody's business. Okay? Nobody's business. A lot of people, when they're asking, they're just asking to measure and to see whether, you know, how they are progressing compared to you. Some would genuinely ask because they really want to help you and they're interested. But a lot of people, when they're asking for the progress of things, they're asking so that they can sort of use it to compare where they are like, oh, okay, she's still there. Okay, I, I think I'm doing good. That's human nature, I'm telling you. So when people ask you things, you can sort of shade, you can sort of hide and mask it and say, well, praise God, all is well. We're pushing forward. We're advancing in the name of Jesus. Doors are opening to me, left, right, and center. Everything is just marvelous. Fine, you can do that. But when you are face to face with God, when you look at the word of God and you open it in the place of prayer, 
you have to be honest with yourself and you have to allow God really come into your heart. You have to be able to say, actually, in my heart, I don't believe this thing. In my heart, I actually do not see how these things are going to happen. I'm in a place of despondency. I've literally walked away from this thing in my heart. Even if I'm still expending energy towards it, I'm really, my heart is not in it anymore. Not because I don't want it. I truly, truly want it. I desire it, but I'm just, I can't listen. The thing has taken too much from me, for me to want to actively pursue it anymore. That is where this man was. And he was absolutely honest with Jesus. He didn't try and hide it. He didn't try and say anything else. He was like, Lord, this is where I am. As far as the water is concerned, it's only still at ankle level. Okay. And the amazing thing about this is because this man, because he was able to identify where he was, even with Jesus standing in front of me, he didn't know who Jesus was, but that opening up his heart and being honest about where he was, there was mercy that was available to him that he could tap into. Let me explain what I mean. Do you remember a parable? I don't know if it was a parable actually, or he observed people. And then he told this story. He said there were two men that were standing and praying. One was a Pharisee and one was a sinner. The Pharisee stood there, shoulders high, chest broad. And he began to say, God, this is what I've done. I have done this. I have done this. I have done this. I've paid my tithe. I have done this. I prayed uh, throughout the watches. I have kept all the laws. I have done this. Therefore, meanwhile, a few feet away was a man that Jesus called the sinner and he couldn't even lift his head up. He was in so much agony and he felt so much shame. I was like, God, I'm such a sinner. Save me, save me, save me, save me. And The thing about it is Jesus said the Pharisee that said he does not need saving, literally God just bypassed him and went to the sinner that said, this is the state that I'm in. I need help. And he received mercy. That's where this man was. That's where he was. It was at the point where literally he was caged in that place. And he knew that there was he just did not have the strength anymore. And he was completely honest about where he was. And because he was saying, I don't have the help that I need. God showed up as his help. And I'm speaking specifically today to maybe one person that, you know, in your heart, you have departed from this thing. Like this man, he kept showing up. He had been there 38 years and he had been showing up. In his heart, he had given up. But when people were asking him, the Christianese was still coming out. So he still had an appearance of godliness regarding that situation. He was still saying all the things, but in his heart, he generally did not think it would ever happen for him. That's the difference. It's a difference where you are actively working towards something. The environment is saying to you that you can't have it, but you are standing on the word of God. That's active faith. You are standing on the word of God. If someone asks you, what's the situation? You're saying it is well, I'm moving forward. And you are speaking from the place of, I know this is definitely going to happen. It doesn't look like it. At times I may get discouraged, but I know God is working. This is different from when you are in a place where 
even what you are saying, you don't believe it. Even when you're just saying it so that people will not, would think everything is okay. There's a difference because God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. It is better for you to have that consciousness that this is where I am. So with people, remember what I said, where people are concerned, you don't want to put your business out there. Nobody's business, but in your private place, in your communion with God, you have to be able to sit down and go back as a result of this word that you're hearing today, go back to God and say, God, I have the form of godliness, but I am denying the power thereof. Meaning I'm saying, Oh, all is well, all is well. You know, that's those kind of phrases that we keep throwing out, but inside they don't believe all is well. Inside, they believe that the situation would never change. And this man, Jesus showed up, said, we, do you want to get well? He could have very easily said, oh, yeah, 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 sure. You know, absolutely, I'm going to get well. Meanwhile, what he believed was different. But because his heart was laid bare before Jesus, the mercy of God reached out to him. One of the best places that you can find yourself in your relationship with God is where you feel vulnerable and you think, I cannot take another step forward unless God helps me. That is one of the sweetest places you can find yourself because God delights in showing his strength when we are weak. Do you understand that? He delights in showing his strength when we are weak. Okay. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And I began to think about it, that what made this man deserve the words of faith that Jesus spoke to him? He didn't say, I perceive that you're a man of God and I perceive that you're a prophet. Therefore, speak the word only and I'll pick up my mat. No, he didn't acknowledge Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't acknowledge him. He didn't speak any words of faith. If you go and read throughout all the miracles that Jesus performed, somebody will say something that relates to faith. Somebody will say something, speak the word only. Or if I touch the helm of his garment or, you know, somebody will be crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. But this one was like, it's not going to happen. But Jesus healed him anyway. So I've come with a very specific prophetic word today. That thing, that particular area of your life where you have abandoned hope regarding it. I'm telling you now that literally Jesus is standing right there beside you. Do you know why? The Bible says that God is close to the broken hearted. So the more broken, listen to what I'm saying, the more broken an area or part of your life is the closer God is standing with you in that area. The more broken you, you think, oh, it's only where the place where you have faith, you are standing on the world, you are on fire and you're carrying out all the actions. Yes, God is working with you. But I'm also telling you from this man's story that he's right there. That place where you've even removed God from the equation, like see this marriage. Let's just enter the thing. Oh, how many more years before we go on to be with the Lord? Let's just manage it and let's just leave it until we go. You have sort of packed it to one side. Jesus said, no, there's a miracle inside that thing. 
there's a miracle inside that thing. And I know what I'm saying. And I know that I'm speaking to some people here right now that are hearing me. You've packed it aside. Jesus say, is saying to you, I'm right here. Go and pick it up again. Go and pick it up again. Let me give you an example before I move forward. Let me give you an example from my own life. I've shared this many times if you listen to me on my podcast. So for marriage, for example, anyone that looked at me, I was saying the right things. I was saying, oh, of course, you know, I want to get married. But if somebody really asked me, if I really sat down, in fact, for those kind of things, you don't even allow yourself to think about it. You want to run away because you don't want to. The pain is too deep. The disappointment is too deep. The hurt is too deep. The weight of the obstacle and the mountain you have to overcome is too big. You don't even want to think about it again because every time you think about it, it's, it's crushing. So you just pack it to one side. To the world, I look like, oh, yeah, of course, yes, yeah, sure, 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 I want to get married. Until literally God began to show me the real state of my heart and said, no, you don't. And I know why you don't. Because of the experience that you have gone through in your past, there is something about your future and regarding marriage that looks so scary that you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want anything to do with this. Even though I had the form of godliness, even though I may have said, oh, I want to get married. That's what I'm saying. God came to show me the true state of my heart. And he said, until I acknowledge me, until I acknowledge that that's the state of my heart, he can't come in. If that man has said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, it's okay. Do you know what? I've got this. All is well. All is well. Thank you. Jesus would have walked away and gone to find somebody else that needed him. I hope you understand what I'm saying. He would have gone to find somebody else that needed him. Faith is an active process. Faith is an active process. You can't just live it and just like, okay, maybe it will happen one day. No, 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 no. You have to engage with Jesus. And the first thing you do is to let him actually show you the real state of your heart regarding that situation. You have to be naked and unashamed in the presence of God. Because that's your starting point. God said to Abraham, look from where you are. He didn't say look from somewhere else. He said from where you're standing, God can only begin to move you forward from where you're standing. And if you cannot even acknowledge that this is where I am before God, how is he going to begin to give you the instructions to move from that place? Okay? That is very strong on my heart. Stop hiding things away. You can hide it from people, and I even encourage you to because they will add to your problems. <laughs> they will add to your problems, okay? But in private, before you and God, you have to be able to lay it out and say, Father, this is where I am. Now, I know that you are near to me. You are not judging me, okay? And you want to move me forward. And as a result of that, I have the confidence to be able to open up to you and say, actually, to be honest with you, even though, you know, I've been saying Christianese, it is well, it is well, God, I'm truly, truly afraid that this business will not do well. I'm truly, truly afraid that this marriage is going to fail. If you open up, God will now begin to show you in his word and he'll begin to load you with scriptures. He'll begin to show you his will. He'll begin to point out, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you, if you cannot even acknowledge, if you are still posing in the present before God, all is well. So Jesus's mercy, he didn't even, he literally just lavished mercy on this man because 
of how clear he was about where he was. Okay. The second thing that I know that God has asked me to come and say today is this. So Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. This is John chapter five. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The Lord does not allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. And who did such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him. Now I want to go to verse 19. So they went basically, the Pharisees went to the man and said, how come, why are you healed? I don't understand. You are breaking a law. And they basically took tradition and said, because of tradition, you don't have the license or the right to be healed on this particular day. But the man said, listen, I had a direct conversation with someone and that someone who happened to be Jesus told me that I should be healed and I got up and I'm healed. Then they went to challenge Jesus. So verse 19, Jesus responded to them and he said, I tell you the truth. The son, meaning himself, can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus' only reply to them was, this healing that you are seeing, I didn't do it on my own. It was God that healed this man. Now, this is the second thing, and this is where I'm going to really park. So, everyone hearing me today, like I said, I have a word for you. This man, Jesus showed up in his life, sent by God, because Jesus said, I don't just go around doing anything. God was the one that directed me and said, you see that man, go and meet him. He's going to be healed. So Jesus showed up because God wanted to heal that man. But then tradition, voices of accusation rose up and they said, no, he's not supposed to be healed. Now you think about it. This is what I'm trying to say. When you are in a situation and you're looking around you and you are almost in a place of despair, remember what I started with. Number one, don't hide that thing away from God. God is the only one that has the answer to that problem. Number two, the moment you decide that God, you are here, I believe you, I want to get out of this situation. It is not as easy as one, two, three. What would begin to happen is voices of tradition and accusation will begin to rise up to talk you out of that thing. There are two sources of that. It can, I will definitely come from you. All right. And it will also be externally driven where people will basically come and say, no, 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 no. Based on one, two, three, and four, this is not something you should be doing. Now you have to be able to discern between what God is asking you to do and what the dominant voice might be saying that you should do instead. Let me explain what I mean. This is what I'm saying in essence. This is what really God has asked me to come and say today. You will find yourself in that particular situation. You know in your heart that Jesus is standing right there. God has ministered something to you. He has dropped something in your heart that he's saying, move forward. This is your season of breakthrough. This is your season to experience miracle after miracle. I'm here. Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just literally carry up your bed and walk and you will experience the biggest miracle of your life so far. It's as simple as you carrying your bed and you will begin to walk and express miracles. However, do you think that man did not know that it was a Sabbath? 
He knew that it was a Sabbath. So there were voices of accusation. The Pharisees, he could probably see in the corner of his eye that the Pharisees were standing there like this, like, if you dare pick up that mat, if we catch you. They were standing there like, what's going on here? Like, you want to, eh, you want to be healed on a Sabbath? So there were external voices of accusation coming against him. And now notice that Jesus is one voice. But the Pharisees are many. So many voices externally say, no, you can't. If you take that step, it will be the end of your career. If you take that step, it will be the end of that marriage. Meanwhile, God is the one knocking with just one quiet voice saying, do it, do it. I'm telling you, pick up that bed and walk. But the voices, the things that you are observing on the external, they're telling you, ah, it, it will be the end. If you make that move, that's your end. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have the external circumstances and the voices of men, of tradition, contending with Jesus, standing in front of you and quietly saying to you, make that move. That's the first opposition. The second opposition is you yourself. Remember, this man had been in that situation for a long time. So his thinking, his thinking pattern was saying, ah, you think, is it easy like that? Just to pick up my bed and walk. Do you know how long <laughs> I've been coming to this pool? Eh, for 38 years, struggling. And you, you just think you just come and tell me to do one simple thing and I will do it. No, it can't be like that. So traditions, his own doubts, his own fears, all those voices will rise up. But what God is asking me to tell you today is don't talk yourself out of it. Because that move, especially if you are listening to me and God is reminding you that there's something that he has told you to do, but you have been considering the wind and the wave. You're like, ah, God. And people have been coming to tell you that, ah, if you do it, ah, ah, ah. One voice, one quiet, still voice telling you to pick up your bed and walk is going to drown out all those other voices by the time the manifestation is revealed. But if you listen to those other voices and you let this Kairos moment pass, you will have to wait another cycle. If that man had considered the fact that the Pharisees were there looking at him saying, it's a Sabbath. This man, remember that it's a Sabbath. If you pick up your bed on the Sabbath, we're coming for you. Number one. And then his own internal voices of doubt, of fear, saying 38 years. How can I just pick up my bed and walk like that? If he had listened to any of those two voices, the external voices or his own internal voice, and disregarded what Jesus said, Jesus would have walked away and that man would have died on that mat. It's time to get up. It's time to pick up that mat. How long are you going to observe the wind and the waves for? How long are you going to honor and esteem the voices and the opinions of people and of yourself higher than what you know God is telling you to do? How long? How long are you going to do that? Honestly, how long are you to I mean, God is so merciful that he will give you time. He will give you time to convince you. So it's not like a taskmaster that will just say, oh yeah, do it now. And, and if you don't do it in two seconds, like, okay, bye. It's not like that. You know, it's not like that. He's a father. God is a father. He'll give you time. He'll give you time. He'll keep showing you. He'll keep reminding you. You'll see it everywhere and all those things. But 
Listen, it will feel like one of the scariest things you've ever done. Like your heart will be like, boom, 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 boom. Like, ah, if I do, go and, you know, do this thing. Ah, I, I mean, try. Because honestly, when we read the Bible, it's easy to just gloss over this thing. Like, oh, Jesus said to the man, pick up your bed and walk. And then he just picked up his bed. and No, it was not like that. It was on a Sabbath. The man knew the laws now. He knew that he was not supposed to pick up his bed on the Sabbath. And he was punishable by death. They could have stoned him. They could have stoned him. So it wasn't like, he just, oh, who, he didn't even know who Jesus was. But there was something about the authority with which Jesus spoke that he knew that this is a Kairos moment. I need to hear what this man is saying. And he picked up his bed, even though there were formidable voices of accusation, of doubt, of fear. Satan was throwing all sorts of fiery darts against him, but he chose to disregard what they were saying because he just knew that there's something about this word that God is telling me. There's something about this action that God is telling me to take. What has he been telling you to do that you are still considering the wind and the waves? You are allowing other people's voices to drown out the voice of God inside you. Remember, like I said, the Pharisees were a lot, many. Jesus was one person, still small voice. You are allowing the shout, hey, no, the economy is this, this one, this one, this one, this one. Meanwhile, you know, so I'm not speaking to someone that you are trying to make up ideas from your brain. Like, oh, this is what I should do. I'm speaking to someone that you know within yourself that this is what God is asking you to do. He has confirmed it to you over and over and over and over and over again. But you are still like, hey, if you go and do this one now, people are advising you against it. You know, the Pharisees were on a level of their own, as in they were so steeped in tradition that they would rather see the Sabbath observed than see somebody get healed, right? People don't know the timing of your life. God is the only one that knows the timing of your life. People will base on tradition, say, oh, why don't you wait two years before you do something? Because, you know, from by tradition, by, that is usually how people do it. You know, just wait two years. It will be safer. It will be better for you to wait two years. But you know God is telling you to do it now. But you know God is telling you to do it now. That's an example of allowing traditions of men to hinder you from entering into miracles that will literally transform your life and transform the lives of other people. Traditions of men. They say, oh, you have to wait five years before you remarry. Says who? What if God, Jesus has showed up and has said, now is the time. Because Jesus knows the dynamics. He knows the growth that will be required in order for that marriage to be established, whatever it is. Or for the children to be rooted and established. He knows how much work. He knows that something is moving in the spirit realm. And that union needs to take place now. But say, no, 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 no. You have to wait. You have to wait. How do you know? You don't know. Are you Jesus? You're not Jesus. So this will either be people literally showing up in your face. And telling you, ah, you say you want to do what? Ah, let me give you examples. One person, one person. And they'll start giving you examples. Or it may be you observing by yourself the same way Peter stood on the water and he started observing the wind and the waves as if it was the wind and the wave that put him on the water in the first place. So if it was not by the wind and the wave he got on the water, why would the wind and the wave get him off the water? 
you understand the person that put him on the water was still there still on the water but then suddenly he's like ah he's the wind and the wave the wind is getting boisterous what the wind so the wind has nothing to do with you walking on water the person that caused you to walk on water is right there jesus the same way this man said to the pharisees listen the person that told me to pick up my bed is there he's still here so the reason why I am walking is because of him. I'm not going to allow you to talk me out of my miracle. Look at Ruth. Naomi had her own issues. Whatever Naomi's motive could have been for telling her daughters-in-law to go back. Whatever her reasons were. There was something inside Ruth. There was something inside Ruth that would not allow her go back. God had planted a seed. It was literally Jesus standing in front of her. The same way Jesus stood in front of the man at the pool of Bethesda and said, pick up your bed and walk. It was the same way Jesus whispered in the ears of Ruth and said, no, go forward. Because I have something waiting for you there. You are going to be my great, 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 great grandmother. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus was whispering. So when you already have that conviction that you're supposed to do something and you are still stuck there by the pool because you're observing the Pharisees, because you're observing your own fears, your own doubts, you're saying, and you are allowing the voices of men and the voices of circumstances to stop you from taking the step that you're supposed to take. Listen. <laughs> Okay, let me not say the bad side. Let me just tell you what Jesus said I should tell you. Pick up your bed and walk. Pick up your bed and walk. Let me read something to you. And I saw this scripture. I didn't know the full meaning of my name until maybe 10 years ago. So my name is Olaomi, but the full name is Olaoluawumi. God literally showed me the meaning of my name in the Bible. So Ola, let me, you know, this is your Yoruba lesson now. <laughs> Allah does not mean wealth. Allah means honor. It means honor. Allah means wealth. Allah means honor. People confuse and they think Allah means wealth. No. Allah, mean, Allah means honor. And God told me, say, your full name is Allah, meaning you are the one who consistently and continually seeks to be honored by God. So you esteem the honor of God above the honor of men. Anyone that's going to make bold moves, anyone that's going to make giant leaps in this world you must learn how to debase yeah disesteem bring down the opinions of men including yourself in favor of the opinion of god so jesus said to them when they were harassing him like why are you healing why are you healing he just said whether it's sabbath or whether it is passover or whether it is the feast of tabernacles or pfft, me i don't care God told me, go and heal that man. And I will always honor God more than the traditions of men. And that is why I keep walking in the miraculous. Let me read something to you. So verse 41 on John chapter 5. Jesus was still replying them. And he said, I do not receive honor from men. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Do you know what that means? Jesus was saying that if someone comes to you with a folder full of evidence, like, oh, the reason why I should take this job is in the last five years, everyone that did this job accelerated on blah, blah, blah. And they showed you that if you start here and they have like 50 years of evidence to show you that you should take that move. Most of us, 
you would take that and say, ah, there's evidence and you would do it. But if God comes and shows you evidence from the word, you say, ah, no, God confirm it to me 50 million times. That's what Jesus was saying to them. So Jesus said, if I had come in someone else's name with factual, physical evidence, you would have believed me. But because I come in the name of God, who is invisible, you are saying, no, we don't believe you. You are lying. Let me keep reading. Now, verse 44 now says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? And that's, that's my name. God showed me my name in the scripture. John 5, 44. I do not receive honor from men, but I seek the honor that comes from God. And I say this over myself. Every time I say that my name is Olaomi, that's what I'm saying, that I'm seeking to honor God. So if God tells me something, even if it looks like it's so hard, everything is contrary, I remind myself and I say, Olaomi, who are you here to honor? Are you here to honor yourself? Are you here to honor your name? Are you here to honor people? Are you here to honor circumstances and physical evidence? Or are you here to honor God? And that usually resets my brain. I just reset my brain by calling my own name. It is God you are seeking to honor. You better go and do what God is telling you to do. Okay? So he said, I seek the honor that comes only from God. God is saying, he's reminding you whatever it is that you know he has told you to do. You need to pick up your bed and walk. It is not easy to pick up your bed and walk. We read the Bible and we look at that man and we're like, hey, well, Jesus has come or pick up your bed. It was not easy for him to do it. Remember the words that came out of his mouth when Jesus asked him. He was like, it's not possible. So he had to first of all overcome his own internal configuration and say, even though everything inside me, he's saying, this thing is not going to work. This thing is impossible. But there was something that resonated with what Jesus said. That was like, I don't care what the evidence tells me. I don't care what my imagination and my memories are trying to tell me about this thing. I must pick up this bed and I must work. I don't care how the Pharisees are going to threaten me. And it was a real threat. It wasn't a threat of... We are warning you, they could have stoned the man. In fact, they would have stoned him if not for Jesus. They would have killed him. So it was a real and present threat. But he chose to honor God. And as a result of that, he entered into the miraculous for the rest of his life. Every time that man woke up and he swung around from the bed and put his feet on the floor and got up, he was walking in the miraculous. Just what I'm saying. For the rest of his life, he walked in the miraculous. That's the level that God wants to accelerate you into. He wants to, there's a, there's a giant leap knocking on your door. Literally, there's a giant leap. I think about all the major moves. And as I was, you know, thinking about preparing for this, I was meditating on the major moves that have literally as in catapulted my life from let's say level one to like level 1000 maybe in terms of expansion, multiplication, fulfillment, whatever it is, all of those things I've realized now that, ah, it was a lone voice of Jesus sort of quietly knocking and loud voices. I say, if you try it, if you try it, every single thing, if I'm going to one now, whereas I'm making the decisions and doing all this, I'm like, ah, God, <laughs> am I sure? But I'm like, I don't care. I want to step into the miraculous. I don't like stress. Oh. I don't like 
working too hard for anything. So I, I prefer to walk in the miraculous where the power of God is the one just carrying me just, just smoothly. And the way you enter into the miraculous and stay in the miraculous is to hear what he's telling you and you obey. Someone says, but how do I know is God talking to me? It's like saying, how do you know your name? This one that I'm talking about, this one is not one of those, oh, did I, you know, yeah, I sort of like, you know, this one that I'm talking about, you know, as clearly as Jesus stood in front of that man and as clearly as he heard, pick up your bed and walk. And the way the words grabbed him and he knew that, ah, this one is, if I don't take this bed and walk, listen, I will die here. So, you know, you know. It's just that the voices around you of logic, of reasoning, of traditions have been very loud. That's why you are doubting it. You know, go and sit back and think, what is this thing that God has literally been calling me and inviting me to do? He wants me to take this particular decision, but logic has either been trying to talk you out of it or has even succeeded in talking you out of it to go for what appears to be, you know, even the, I was going to say the safer option, but it's not even the safer option. It's just another option. I'm going to read one more scripture before I finish today. Mark chapter 10 said they reached Jericho and as Jesus and disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You would think that the moment he began to shout, the people around him would try and amplify his voice. Would try and they too begin to say, ah, there's a blind man, Jesus, and they're trying to wave Jesus down. I mean, logically, you would think that that would be the response of the crowd. But instead, what happened? And this is for someone. What happened? He says, they said, be quiet. He says, many of the people yelled at him, be quiet. So the moment blind Bartimaeus identified that, ah, I need to connect with this thing. The moment he knew that this is the action I'm meant to take, the mistake a lot of us are making is this. You think environment and people will immediately begin to support you. So you start to look for evidence to back you up, to say, yes, it's true. That's what you're supposed to do. But can you see that the moment he began to make that step towards what he knew would be a connection to his destiny, opposition immediately rose up. That is the way this world operates. So if you observe the wind and the waves, if you are looking for the wind to continually favor you so that you can take the next step, listen, what will happen is the wind and the wave will literally just in that moment go crazy. And as a result of that, you say, ah, sorry. But what did blind Bartimaeus say? The, when he started shouting, he said, everybody started saying, shut up, my friend, sit down. It doesn't make sense. Why would somebody reach out to God and the exact moment he began to reach for his miracle that God is calling him to, that exact moment, opposition rose up to silence him. Voices. It was a crowd. So many voices rose up to begin to say, no, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> and 
What did he do? But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, if he had not shouted louder, Jesus would not have heard him. So if you don't persist, if you allow yourself to be lured away, and God just dropped this in my heart now, sometimes it is a lure. So Satan knows the infirmities of our heart. He knows the things that he can trick us with. For some people, it's fear. He'll just, he'll just scatter things. A little bit like, hey, Jesus, hey, I'm afraid. Sit, down, sit back down. I'm not going again. For some people, it's a lure of wealth because he has many kinds of temptations. He'll just present you with a glittering, shiny alternative that looks too good to turn down. You're like, oh, okay, let me follow this one. You follow that one, you forget what God is telling you to do. What you know within your heart is the right thing to do. So the voices that rose up, it can be fear. It can be doubt. He can manipulate things and it can also be lure of wealth or of a false promise. He tried to do it to Jesus. He said, you want to be savior, Abby? I have an easier way for you. I have the wealth of the whole world for you. Take this. But Jesus said, no, I don't want. No, I know clearly who I am. and I know what God has called me to do. So, Oga, be going. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. This man entered into the miraculous for the rest of his life. Every time he woke up in the morning and he opened his eyes and light came and he could see he was in a miracle. This decision, this thing that is in your heart that you know that God is asking you to do, to step forward into it. But the voices are so loud. Listen, if you just follow it through to the end, you're going to break into a new level that will last the rest of your life. As in, you will enjoy the proceeds of that miraculous in some shape or form for the rest of your life. The same way Ruth married Boaz and had a child that lasted the rest of her life. So it's not something to joke with. No matter what the voices of opposition look like, whether they present themselves in the form of doubt, in the form of fears, in the forms of traditions, or even in the form of leers of a false promise or compromise or whatever, it is not worth it. God is literally knocking quietly and he's saying, I'm telling you, this is what I want you to do. Don't go the other way. No matter how scary it may look, I've got your back. I've got your back. All is well. I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to transform your life by going this way that I'm telling you to go. Okay? This is not for everyone. It is for someone that in your interactions with God regarding a matter where you were crying out to him for a quantum leap, he brought something to you and said, this is what I want you to do. But in the process of trying to decide, all these voices came up. Like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't take that step. And it's either you are stuck there thinking, oh, my God, should I? Should I not? Should I not? You know, this is your should do. Should you? So you're hearing the voice of Jesus now. Go with what God is telling you to do. Okay? Or you've already gone the other way. God can bring you back. You just need to go to him and he will reset your path. Okay. 
thank you so much thank you so much for joining me i hope that's helped you let your life honor god so whatever it is god is asking you to do choose to honor him he knows what he's doing he has seen the end from the beginning he's the one that has 360 degree view whatever it is panoramic view god has it he has seen everything and he's telling you this is the best move for you that's going to break you into something so miraculous for the rest of your life you will still be eating from the fruit of that particular tree so it is worth it don't allow the voices the opinions traditions or even the lure of wealth carry you away from what you genuinely know within yourself that this is what i'm supposed to do okay i'm going to leave it there i will be back see you then